Over the past few weeks, as we've been doing this series, the last thing I do in the sermon is I give you homework. The first thing I do in the next one is I collect it. (laughs) So, the homework from last week was talking about the Shema, the, the passage from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That whole thing. And so part of the assignment was, if you choose to accept it, what would it look like to meditate on it, live it out? And then the other part was Romans 12, 1 and 2, about us living our whole lives as sacrifices. So did you do any of that? How did you live out loving God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, strength? Your neighbor is yourself. Or how did how was your sacrifice of worship manifest last week? Did anyone love God this week? <laughs> okay, how about loving your neighbor? How did you do it? So what do you do with that? I know. I I I, I saw that. We're a small enough group where I, I saw the the stage whisper. In situations like that, they're not giving information. It might not be appropriate to go to the hospital, check it out. You know, that that may not be acceptable. So you you do what you can to make their lives easier. You keep covering shifts. That works. Thanks, Tom. pleasantries with them and I just thought wow it didn't take us much to get out probably took us a half an hour to walk around the block but we just noticed so much more of 
fine, but I feel like we have to continue to go out and just be searching out who our neighbors are and making the attempt to just engage with them, even if it's praying for them or if it's seeing them in the yard and talking or if it's just cutting their dog as they go by. Um, so it's just not um, quite the answer to your question, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, I feel like it's a way that mm -hmm. we can love our neighbors and start to make progress in that area. So. And, and the neighbor that she's talking about is a faithful one. He's the one who is directly behind that and all these attacks shrubbery. Yeah. But, but it was nice for him to see who my family is. Mm -hmm. I was talking about my family. And, uh, I have a, a, a Hmong uh, family that lives directly behind me and he doesn't speak very much English. Um, but we have grown closer and closer. I've helped him with his with his landscaping. He always he has a row of shrubs that grow into my yard every year and so I help him by hacking them up every year. But but we've talked about that and he appreciates that. Uh, and so we've just gotten to talk more and more about, you know, he sees my dogs or Alex or um, I see his grandkids or his kids. They always every weekend they have parties or whatever and so so he complains to me about, you know, his kids are taking over. But he never has really gotten to see my family. And so when we do this, then we get to stop and he actually gets to see my family. And, and we, you know, so um, we have grown closer and closer like that. And uh, by striking up those conversations and getting to know him and helping him out like that, that's the way we're going, I'm going to build up that relationship with him, and you know, maybe one day he'll invite me to one of these late night parties with him and his kids, and, and uh, you know, go hang out and see, mm -hmm. like, see how, the, how they do it. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a really nice, nice fella, um, and so it, it's just been really nice to, to get to know him and he even uh, asked us, asked me a couple of days after that what we are doing. So I explained that we take a walk around our neighborhood and we pray for our neighbors. And he, when he noticed us, I said, we, we, were, we were actually praying for you and all your kids. And he just stopped and said, huh. And, you know, and I, I just left it at that. Yep. construction on like two different sides of us. They're working on the store next to us and then the apartment buildings behind us. And both crews came over and just started like into the building and just started taking out all the trash and bringing them to their dumpsters. So for the next day, um, all construction workers got free sandwiches because all of us employees came together and were like, we need to find a way to thank <laughs> So if you were a construction worker and you came through, everything was just calm. And that was actually the like highest ranked person's their idea. So we, we all knew it was good to go. Nice. 
Good. Anything else come to mind? Part of my goal, part of my desire for this series is these sorts of things be they keep becoming more normal, more natural, um, more a part of who we are as individuals as well as who we are as a community. Where when you see the neighbor, you pray for them and even pray that God would you know, put it in his heart to invite you over to one of the late night parties. You know, that, that sort of thing. And it, it changes our, our perspective. And, and you think about how can I love and how can I bless and how can we, you know, do something nice for these people who have done something nice for us. And recognizing that that's part of our relationship to Jesus. We give because Christ has given us. And it may not be appropriate to... You know, invite the construction workers to church. That may not be the right setting for that, but you can still love and you can still bless and you can still share with them. So, nice job. Keep looking for opportunities. Keep looking for places where you see God. Um, that's what we're working on doing. One of the last things that Jesus says in Luke's Gospel is this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from Him. Any of you remember playing the game Red Light, Green Light? Yes. That, that's the, the, the running game where you, the goal is to get as close to, you know, across the line first, or sometimes it's tag the person who, who's it. Um, when they say green light, you can start walking. When they say red light, you have to stop. And if, they see, and if the person who's it sees you still moving, then you have to go back to the kind of beginning. So for, for me, this is a red light. Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But wait. Stop. Stay here and in the city until you hear green light. Uh, Until the Holy Spirit comes on you and fills you with power from heaven. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Chicken. Chicken? Chicken? Or is it the egg? Yes, you know, if you're talking evolutionarily speaking, the egg did come along before what we know as chicken today, so that that's one possible answer. But it's one of those things where you need the egg to have the chicken, you need to have the chicken to have the egg. So which comes first, the red light or the green light? When I thought Christ, I suppose that when God was creating the animals, mm-hmm. he just made chicken. He was like, oh, I should probably make nice. an egg first. Nice, nice. That would be the other answer that I, that I would take. So, good. So maybe the chicken came first. I know, look at that. And he's even citing the Bible and stuff in the, in the beginning. It's in here. And it's at the beginning. I, I like that. You were, yeah. Closer to index than maps, but yeah. Um, so which comes first, the, the red light or the green light? 
you do have to start the game stop. And, and the, the name of the game is red light, green light. But after every red light, the goal is that there's a green light. And so here in this passage, the, the green light comes in, in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit does come on, on the church and the church is birthed. The church is begun when the Holy Spirit comes and then they are sent out. In some ways, the green light comes first. When we think about it in the idea of, of Sabbath, of rest, the work comes before the stopping. There needs to be the six days of creation before God stops. But that stopping, that seventh day, is also the start of what comes next and of God's relating to the rest of, bless you, uh, God's relating to the rest of the world and to the rest of creation. And so there, there is this thing where after every green light, there should be a red light. After every red light, there should be green light. Isaiah forty thirty one says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How many of you wish you could run forever? Run and not be weary. Walk and not grow faint. Forrest Gump style. I was running. Is God's goal for us that we always run and not grow weary? Walk and not grow faint? No. No. If you trust in the Lord, you'll find new strength. So should you never stop? How are these two things related, do you think? The Sabbath does figure in there somewhere. Okay, hold that question in mind. We'll get to it. I think I had another one first. There we go. Mark 2.27. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. Not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. When Jesus was walking around Jerusalem, he got in trouble oftentimes with the Pharisees because of the things he and his disciples would do on the Sabbath. He would heal on the Sabbath. He would teach on the Sabbath. And it was after one of those instances when Jesus said this, that, that Sabbath was made for man. It was made for humanity. It was made for humankind. It's not, it's not that... We were made in order that the Sabbath could be kept. The Sabbath was instituted. This red light was put there for us and for our benefit. 
Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So as we talk about principles, this time is spelled correctly. Red light, green light principles, green light habits. As we talk about being a missional church, as we talk about being followers of Jesus who have caught this idea of the Missio Dei, the mission of God being sent and sending into the world to increase God's influence, to increase God's... I'm just having fun. We need habits. The way that this... That, I, that I've entitled this talk is In It for the Long Haul. We can work really, really hard for a while. But eventually, we tire out. Our enthusiasm wanes. Our energy goes away. It's not possible to run and run and run and run without stopping without resting, without getting some sustenance. If we want to do this for the long haul, if we want to be missional followers of Jesus for the long haul, we have to learn to rest. We need to figure out what it looks like in our lives to hit the pause button. Sabbath is really, really important. But first, I want to talk about the idea of listening in solitude. How many of you have chunks in your day where there's no activity and very little stimulus, very little noise? When does that happen at your house? When you're sleeping or when you're dead, right? That's, that's kind of when that happens. I want to commend to you the practice of solitude. Sitting there, standing there, laying there, contemplating the goodness of God. Not bringing your list to God of people to pray for, of things that you know God needs to take care of, but just being in God's presence. If you want to be in this missional, practicing life for the long term, we have to remember that our source, our strength, like that passage from Isaiah, for those that wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. It's not just anybody who keeps on working. Yeah, they'll get, they'll get refreshed at some point, right? The idea is those that wait on the Lord. And this is something that is countercultural. It's something that as Americans we're bad at. It's something as American Christians we're really bad at because we, we think it's all about producing. We, we think my, my worth, my value comes in what I do. Was it something I said? Um, our, our worth, our value isn't there. I, 
I had a really good conversation a couple of weeks ago. It was just last week. Wow. Um, with another pastor who's getting ready to go on sabbatical. And she, uh, she is having a real hard time coming to grips with the, the church will be fine without her. <laughs> you know, it's that idea of when you take vacation from your job, it's, it's really kind of gratifying when things fall apart because you're gone. <laughs> because that means I'm important. That means I'm really needed. And see, Sabbath and solitude are both reminders. Solitude is a shorter segment of that. It's a reminder that God's in control. I am not. And that I need to take some time and I need to slow down and remember who's in charge. And also remembering that when I pray, it's certainly appropriate to bring my list before God. My list of things that I'm praising God for, that I'm thanking God for. Also the list that I'm asking God for. But think about any other relationship. If the only time I approached Carrie was when I had a list. A list of things that I accomplished because she you know, gave me some tasks to do. Or uh, a shopping list that, that we needed to pick up together. You know, Any of that, our relationship wouldn't thrive if that's the only way we interacted. I'll still remember one of those first car rides when we were dating and it was quiet in the car and it didn't feel weird. When we didn't have to fill the space, we were just comfortable being in each other's presence, alone in our thoughts together, I want you to get there with God. Where you know God well enough and God knows you well enough so you can pause. You can listen. And even if God doesn't say anything, it's good to spend time there. So that would be the, the practice of solitude and listening. My guess is that is going to be difficult for a lot of you. There are seasons of life where it is easier than others. But still work to carve out time. I would encourage you to find time. 10 to 20 minutes. Start there. Okay, you may have to start at 2. Try to find a place without distraction. Actually turn the phone off, not just on vibrate, because chances are it'll vibrate during that time. And try to find a place where you can just sit and be still. Sabbath. One of the core values for us here is that we are going to do ministry in a way that gives life and doesn't sap it. This idea of Sabbath is one of the best ways to ensure that that happens. Because if you never rest, if you never push pause, you're going to get run down. You're going to get sick. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're going to have an injury like has happened to me in the past. It's been calf, it's been 
sinus, it's been all sorts of stuff. Well, my body tells you it might be thumb. Um, our bodies will tell us you need to stop. It's hardwired into who we are. Study after study has been done looking at the effectiveness of workers who keep working. Studies show that if you keep working after seven days, actually after six days, productivity goes down, attention goes down, precision goes down. It's hardwired into who we are. And it's honoring to God to stop, to pause. And I know it's hard. I know I've had this conversation with some of you that you just don't know how you could take a day off. You need to. If you want to be in life for the long haul, <laughs> you have to figure out how to do it. And this also is so countercultural. And so I, I want to talk about this idea of Sabbath for just a moment. And that quote from Jesus in Mark 2. The Sabbath was made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. There's a way to keep Sabbath and hurt our souls. There's also a way to do it in a way that really honors God. There is a legalistic way to, to keep it. This is one of the things that Jesus kept getting into it with, with the Pharisees. Because Jesus was willing to work and do something good on the Sabbath, to bless. And the Pharisees would say, what are you doing? You can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus would come back, what would you do if on the seventh day your donkey falls into a hole? Wouldn't you pull the donkey out? Of course. And so the idea isn't to be super legalistic, super hardline about this. But still, the idea of Sabbath is pausing of stopping, of ceasing. That's the first part. But then the other part is the recreation, even the recreation. When the Sabbath was instituted, it was an opportunity for people to spend time in God's presence, for people to worship, for people to remember whose they are and who they are. It was a time for fun, enjoyment. It was a time of celebration. So, it's a good practice. It's not easy to keep. One day out of seven. Ideally, it's the same day every week so you can get into a rhythm. It's really hard with a wife who's a caterer where every week is different. This is something that Carrie and I have worked on. We've had seasons where it's really, really hard. Other seasons, it's really easy. On a day that you consider a Sabbath, if you're going to do it the, the Jewish way, the original way, from sundown to sundown, so you start, they would start with Friday evening all the way through Saturday, Sun, sundown would, would be a, a Jewish Sabbath on the, on the seventh day, and the idea is you don't work. You set time apart for worship and for recreation. What would you do if you had free time? 
what sounds like fun? What would draw you together as a family? For, for some of you, it might be cooking a meal. For others of you, that's going to feel too much like work. So on the Sabbath, you should go out. It's about you and your relationship to God. It's about you and how God has wired you. What would a completely free day to enjoy look like in your house? I know we already talked a little bit about it, but is that possible? Are there any of you here who keep Sabbath one day out of seven? Okay, okay. But good for you to say no. And, and there, there are going to be times when doing those things can be your recreation. But I want, you to be, I want you to be careful because there's one of those things where we can trick ourselves into thinking, well, I, I kind of like this, so, and I know it needs to get done, so I'm going to count as half. You know, listen to your spouse. <laughs> for those of us who are married, our spouse knows us better than we sometimes want to admit. And sometimes the exact right thing to do is go away. Sometimes you need to stay. And that's, that's why if you do everything legalistically, it's, it's really, really hard because we can do things in ways that, that damage us and drain us and end up making it harder to live missionally for the long haul. So if you're not sure what this would look like, I would love for you to think about some of these questions. Are you more of a red light person or a green light person? Green. Green. Red. Nice. <laughs> that, that's how Carrie and I are, too. Any guesses what I am? <laughs> On the red light. Carrie's go. Yeah. I, let's slow down. Let's stay home. How hard is it for you to hit the pause button? Do you know where the pause button is? Remember the last time you used it? To intentionally slow down. The idea of observing Sabbath intentionally. Is that daunting to you? What, what, what do you think of when you hear me say, I think it would be a good idea for you to take one day off during, out of seven. 
How does that sound? <laughs> Fellow red light person. Um, but that brings up a good point, though, that at some point, we, for the red light people, you know, we have to know that we go in solitude so that we can re-engage, yeah. we, that we can start six days of work. And so there's that sense that we can't get so hung up on, well, I'm doing Sabbath, that we forget we got to work right. as well. And so the, that flip side of, you know, does going back to work, does actually engaging, yeah. is that daunting to you equally for the right. red light people? Right. As stopping might be for the green light people. I grew up in a house that, um, you know, we did church in the morning, we did Sunday dinner, and a lot of times we played book, because you can't play with those other kids, because that was wrong. That's right. So we played book. Um, and my mom threw some stuff out, you know, for supper, and even after we got married, we ended up going over there a lot, and, you know, so I just, Sunday was never really the day for, like, accomplishing a whole lot, and now I get up, and I sit, and I don't do anything. Eric cooks breakfast, and, um, and I did my crossword puzzle, and, yeah. you know, so it's still kind of my day. We had to go to the grocery store today, which is not fun, but so I don't know if it maybe just because of that was my background with my family growing up that Sunday was just we didn't I mean sometimes we went out and did things but you know for and way back when it was church in the morning and then you had the you know, church at night too and mm-hmm. you know, with your friends afterwards. So yeah, it's, it's not that hard to me. I gave up the guilt a few years back. The older I got the less I was more no, I'm taking this. This is my day. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I hate my job, so I'm taking a day off to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And for me and Molly and Alex, it's totally possible to do that, but we have to get away. We have to, even if it's, you know, the next block or the next, because if you, if we're in our surroundings, it's, there's way too many things that you because you don't have your comfortable go-to things, excuses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's possible. We've done it. We had to go to Omaha to do it. But it was awesome. We didn't know the city. And we didn't do with touristy things. But we did all kinds of let's go to the parks and let's go just chill out and, and, and check out things like that rather than Let's go see big building well, Omaha. <laughs> but just, you know, go downtown or go to movies or things like that, or go to restaurants and things like that. Didn't have to. Just just gotta get away. Because hmm. if we're even if even if we had intentionally planned today we're not gonna do anything, but if we're in our house, there's always something. And a little becomes a bigger. Yeah. Matt. Does a slower green light day count as, as a <laughs> that be full red? Okay, good question. 
Does a slow does a yellow light count? Because like especially during the school year, if I have like classes during the week and then like a meet on Saturday or Saturday and Sunday, it's like I don't I'll take a slower day where I'll maybe do one thing of homework or I'll just get in a quick lift or something, but I don't ever really take like a full red light day. I'll take a red light snippet. Okay, does it have to be 24 hours? And does it have to be stopped? What do you say? Mm-hmm. Bethany says no. I think that leads to where you are. I mean, he's so gracious and loving and he knows exactly what's going on in your life. And I think momentary Sabbath, full blown. Said, said from a green light person. <laughs> but if you start saying it has to be a full day, then that guilt factor is going to come in there too. Okay. And the legalism. The guilt, legalism. This is, I, I, most Jesus followers I know still believe in the Ten Commandments, that there are things that we should keep. This is one of the ten. keeping a Sabbath. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna waffle and say red light is best but it's about your heart, it's about your intention. And all things considered it's not just about stopping. It's about stopping and honoring God. Both recognizing our relationship to God. You can do that in less time. But I would also propose that keeping Sabbath is work. For when when the Israelites had just left Egypt and God was providing all their food for them and as manna and quail, they had to collect twice as much manna on the sixth day. They had to do their work ahead of time in order to make Sabbath possible. If your reason for not keeping Sabbath is you have work to do, most of the time that work could have been done sometime else. Not always. But I'd like that to be in mind too and say keeping Sabbath as a day set apart is countercultural. It's hard work, and sometimes, and this this is coming from a red light person. When it comes down to it, I don't like to work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, um, when I, I and don't get me wrong, I, I love I love my job. I love what I do. It's just that a lot of times this doesn't feel like work. <laughs> um, but other things like housework, oh shoot, no, they just never start that stuff. Um, so it's it's about your heart. The Sabbath was made for us not us for the Sabbath. So work really hard to take your full day, but a yellow light is better than nothing. A short stop is better than nothing. But a yellow light doesn't mean hurry up and get it done. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he just said. I'm just saying. Some people have done it. Yeah. How do you... 
how do you treat that yellow light? That's good. Exactly. Well, that, that that's right, you know. How are you with the guilt factor? Would you feel guilty for really stopping? Sunday is my day off, you know, but I also, in the back of my head, think, well, this is the day I need to go, and I should get this done, because this is my one day to do it, and I should do this, and I should do this. Mm-hmm. Like today, I was, I was like, what, what should I do, what can we do, what we need to do, and I really shouldn't. What should I get? He didn't like the kids to go And I, 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 there are some other issues. They do it though. They have mm-hmm. both. They, they have both. Well, and good kids do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just one of those. Yeah. I, like today, we really didn't do much, but it was in the back of my head. But well, I should do this today. I should get this done. And then we, I've got I've got this much time before we have to leave for church. Yeah. So what can I get done? Yeah. When uh, when Holly told me that we're going to get a lawn service, I took that really hard because I like doing that. But in the bigger scheme of things, it's better for me if I just let it go. And your doctors have told you. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> But I, I, I think I think there's a really good lesson to be taken from that. That sometimes even the things that we enjoy and that we feel like need to get done are wounding us. Or they're keeping us tired and they're making it harder for us to go, for us to really fully engage, fully be present in our work. Not just what we get paid to do but the things that God is calling us to. If we are so tired, and if we haven't learned to carve out time, there's no way you can get together with that friend for coffee. If we learn this skill of actually guarding our calendar, then when that person that you've been praying for, that you know isn't walking well with Jesus now, when they say, hey, are you free? (laughs) You know the answer is yes. (laughs) And say, let's find the time but you're able to do that. You're able to re-engage because you've learned what it looks like to disengage. Um, So how about this one? I've already asked you to think a little bit about this. Do you know what you would do with a free day where you didn't have to work? When you think of it, does it make you smile? (laughs) God wants that for you. Paul has talked about when we go geocaching. There are days when we say, Alex, let's go out and play, and he would rather lop off an arm than he go up. So if you say, okay, you want to go geocaching? He could spend all day doing that. Geocaching hmm. is like the best recreation for green light people because you still get to like have a task that you haven't 
this is like beautiful for me. But yet it's supposed to be recreation and fun. So uh -huh. it's like the best of both worlds. <laughs> okay. So there you go. There you go. I'll All right. Homework. You can choose one or the other or both. These are also on the back of your bulletin if you took one of those. At least four times this week, put aside 10 to 20 minutes to simply listen to the voice of the Lord. We've already we had a few weeks talking about what that looks like, but silence, silence is a good place to start. Don't talk, just listen. Don't do, just be. Open yourself to just hear God's voice, be sure to find a place where you can be alone with no distractions. If you've got a little one at home, you're going to have to tag team. Or you're going to have to ship them off. You know? At different stages of life, this is easier than others. And to start... Ten minutes might not be possible. Start where you are. God knows your heart. Be gracious with yourself. So that's the first part. Plan and observe the Sabbath this week. Think through what you will need to prepare in advance in order to rest and enjoy your Sabbath. That could be you know, a couple lists of geocaches. Do you know where you're going? Do you know? Or is, is looking them up part of the fun? Are you going to cook on your Sabbath? And is grocery shopping fun? Carrie loves to grocery shop. You know, there, and there are others of us who think, man, that's work. <laughs> um, so, so figure it out. You know, what, what does it look like for you? If you're really going to take the Sabbath, and if that includes cooking for you, make sure you've got your ingredients. Or plan it out. It's not important what day of the week you make your Sabbath. This has been a hard transition for me going from the classroom to be a teacher. And I've been doing this almost 10 years and it's still really hard to not have Sabbath on Sunday. I'm finding another day that works. Remember the Sabbath is for you, not you for it. Any responses, any thoughts about these? How does this sit with you? The idea of pausing in solitude or the idea of stopping for 24 hours, one out of seven? I think listening can be a challenge at first. You know, sitting there... Looking at the clock, it's five minutes done yet. You know, I find, I find that sometimes it's helpful to actually do breath prayers and things like that where you inhale a characteristic of God and exhale something you want to rid of from yourself. Just to focus on mm -hmm. hearing your mind so you can hear, you know. It's like, a, it's like meditation, but really you're meditating on God. And then another helpful exercise, too, in listening is Lectio Divina, where you just pick a small passage and you just read through it aloud, so you're also hearing it, and then you listen for a few minutes and 
ask the Holy Spirit to bring something to mind, and then you read it again, and you ask the Holy Spirit to bring something maybe else to mind or deepen that thought. You feel like sometimes that we have to almost train our, our hearts and our minds on how to listen. And then I think in over time, we get better at it, you know, and we're, we don't need these little practices to kind of get our minds out of what we were just doing or out of what we want to do in 10 minutes when it's over, mm-hmm. you know, but to be in that present moment. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I like that because I, I have a hard time. Be quiet. Be quiet in there. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much going on. You know, yeah. like, even when I lay down at night to try and say my prayers, I'm like, I'm all over the place. I'm like, <laughs> to find a quiet time is just hard. It's just, yeah, we're just so busy. And just, yeah. But I like the practice of it. I can see how that helps. Healthy. One of my favorite authors who talks a fair amount about this is Henry Nouwen and, and his practice of being still. What he would do is he would be honest with God when he had monkeys in his tree. That's what he called the, those voices, those things that keep coming back. And he would just acknowledge before God, you know, there's, there's monkeys in my tree right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I love that analogy because you know there are some there are sometimes when there are howler monkeys and they, they can't be ignored. And God knows, God knows your heart, and uh, yeah. Well, what's beautiful about that is that He didn't expect the monkeys to be gone in order to hear from God. Right. And I think that for a lot of us too, you know, especially those of us with kids, that. Sometimes we can't always expect our kids to be quiet in order for us to hear from God. I know in some some of the most frustrating moments of parenting with my kids, you know, there's times where I just have to sit and say, okay, God, what what is it you have for me in this? You know, whether it's why I'm getting upset, why I'm getting frustrated or angry with my child, or, you know, why can I, why do I feel I have to respond to what's happening? And just recognizing that. I think that we can we can be a block for ourselves if we think that everything has to be quiet, everything's got to be shut down if we're going to hear from God. If we do that, we're going to miss out on probably 98% of his communication. Because he knows all those things have been put into our life, he's been sovereign over, and he knows that they're there. Mm-hmm. And he still wants to use those things to speak to us. And sometimes it's if we can get the, the time and we can get the rest, then... You know, great. That that time will even be more blessed. But we shouldn't also sell ourselves out to the point where we just say, you know, God, I, I just can't hear you right now. I mean, I can say that to her when she's three floors away, and I'm going, I can't hear a word you're saying because I got music on and kids yelling in my ear. But you know, God can speak right into my ear from where He's at in light of what's going on around me. Yeah. The question is, am I going to be intentional to listen to God in my context? And I think I've learned to do that where, you know, where Holly, I spend the majority of the time with Alex. And and it's easier for me to hear Holly over Alex and over the noise 
weird, you know, where Holly isn't quite so used to that. She's an office person, and so they need to be quiet and orderly and things like that. So, and we do. We have a hard time hearing each other and things like that. But I think that's good because I, along the way, I have I have learned to. Um, in the way Alex takes a look at the same situation or whatever, say like, wow, you know, a different perspective to, to get over that obstacle of hearing or things like that. So yeah, my, my kid has also been a conduit to help me hear. Anyone planning to take a Sabbath this coming week? We're going to try it. Okay. Anyone going to try to do the 10 to 20 minutes of solitude a couple times a week? A couple times a week. All right. Good luck. This is something that our culture fights against. It's something that I don't want us as a church, as this culture to fight against. So when you see each other next week, feel free to ask. So do you do it? How'd it go? And if not well is the correct answer, then we know what those days and weeks are like. So. I know that we're going a little bit over on time, so I'm going to skip. So how, how's this for irony? I, I had planned uh, an eight-minute song for some solitude. We're going to skip over solitude. Um, <laughs> because the clock tells me so. That's, but we're going to do it this week. We're going to do it this week. So Before we give and receive this blessing, any other closing comments? Thoughts? Yes. So a long time ago, I could have tossed a red little. <laughs> you certainly could have. You can do that tonight. <laughs> this comes from the Bible. <laughs> Fantastic. So again, part of this missional idea. This way of doing church differently is we recognize that we don't just come to church to receive. We certainly receive when we're together from God, from one another, but we also expect to give. And so I've stopped the practice of me blessing you, me being the person imbued with authority because I'm ordained and you call me pastor. We're all followers of God who have the same spirit residing in us. Uh, so we bless one another and we receive the blessing and we go out into our world this way, this week, ready to give and ready to bless. So would you recite this or read this with me as we both give a blessing and receive one? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
and it ends with, have a good week. <laughs>